The following is message number one of the Southeast Blending Conference held in Atlanta, Georgia on the evening of March 25, 2011. The title of the message is The Vision of the All-Inclusive Christ, Typified by the Good Land, and the Three Stages of the Enjoyment of Christ by Eating Him. And the speaker is Brother Ron Kangas. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are gathered here once again in the name of the Lord Jesus and gathered to the pure, infallible, all-sufficient Word of God. And we have a very particular general subject for this weekend. And I'll take some time to define in an initial way the elements of this general subject. But I have um, another feeling or a feeling about another matter. And the purpose of my mentioning this, which I will do, is that we would receive an impression from the Lord's Spirit how significant this subject is to God himself. The uh, lengthy period of several weeks after the winter training was, in my experience, a time of intense suffering, deep anguish, and fierce spiritual conflict. Going on and on for many weeks. Then one day, Uh, Surprisingly, on a human level, something emerged from the mingled spirit within me, and that was this general subject that we need to consider from the book of Joshua, set alongside of Colossians and Ephesians the matter that is in this general subject. Now, please, sisters, don't waste your emotional energy on sympathizing uh, with me and my past affliction. It's all for your benefit, and that particular episode is past. The point is to realize The matters in the ministry do not come cheaply. And they are not matters that are simply the topic of the hour. Uh, Something may be new or may be fresh that we might consider. The bringing forth of this subject and I only know this by observation, 
is what Paul calls travail in birth. So the fact that there is such an internal exercise and conflict over this matter must indicate that from God's point of view, he is determined to release something to us. And from the enemy's point of view, he is determined to frustrate us. That is why there's the conflict. But I'm happy to tell you something about the enemy tonight. He's a loser. He's the biggest loser in the universe. And our Christ is the glorious victor. Now, let's not start with fighting. Let's start with the all-inclusive Christ. A term that we're familiar with. It's been in our vocabulary at least since 1962. It's one of the basic books of the ministry. When we use the modifier all-inclusive before Christ, we're trying to say he is not only the Redeemer, he is not only our Savior, he is not only the first God-man, he is the complete God. And a perfect man. He is the reality of all the divine attributes. And the reality of all human virtues. And even more, much more. He is the reality of every positive thing in the whole universe. He is the real sun, S-U-N. He's the real star. Our real food. He is our breath itself. He is our life. He is our country. He is everything. And this Christ, who is all-inclusive, is typified by the land of Canaan with its wealth about which we read in the verses in Deuteronomy 8. The redeeming lamb typified by the Passover lamb. Christ is our food is typified by the manna. As the smitten rock he's typified by the rock smitten in the book of Exodus. But what portrays him as the all-inclusive Christ is the land of Canaan with its riches. Now having introduced this, we need to see this next crucial matter. Unless God's people, the believers in Christ, know and experience 
the all-inclusive Christ, God's purpose will not be fulfilled. Again, using the Old Testament picture. In the good land, the all-inclusive Christ, the kingdom of God was established. And in the good land, the temple of God, typifying the corporate Christ, was built up. Neither the temple nor the kingdom were built up in Egypt. Nor were they built up in the wilderness. They were built up in the land of Canaan. But before that could happen, Canaan had to be possessed by God's people. The earth is the Lord's. Therefore, he has the right to give it to whomever he wills, it's his. And the dwellers in the land were exceedingly wicked. Many of them were no longer truly human. They were a kind of mutant. The product of evil spirits having contact with human females. And God told Abraham in Genesis 15 that your descendants, they must remain in Egypt for hundreds of years because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. That God was waiting until the situation was intolerable. So both from the perspective that he's the owner of the land and from the perspective of his righteous judgment upon unspeakable evil, God had the full standing to give the land to the people of Israel as an inheritance, which he covenanted to do. But in order to possess the land, there had to be war. And in order for God's people to possess the land, there had to be a Joshua, not only Moses, to receive the revelation directly from God and to hear God speaking and to record God's word. There had to be a Joshua, not only Moses with a staff, but also Joshua with a javelin. That was what characterized him. And that is what he extended in leading the people in war. That's all the enemy has to do to nullify the fulfillment of God's purpose among us. He cannot do it forever, but he can do it now, all he has to do is to keep us from enjoying the all-inclusive Christ. That's all. He will let us enjoy the Passover. 
And we can have our daily manna. And he may be content if for us, the holy word for morning revival is simply manna. Manna's heavenly, it's refreshing, it's divine, it's pure. And we may then be somewhat content, even grateful. We have been redeemed. Now we're being fed. But the Lord knows. But I'm inclined to observe, generally speaking, the whole recovery with all the churches and all the saints, generally speaking, is not in the good land. And is not feeding on Christ as the produce of the good land. Therefore, the church among us is the tabernacle, not yet the temple. And this also means that there is not yet that much of the kingdom with its binding and loosing authority maybe because the Lord has this view maybe this is what his eyes see out of deep concern that he would designate for one of his slaves a particular period of conflict, etc., that he might, even a little, to bring to our attention this crucial matter of possessing, not just seeing, possessing the all-inclusive Christ and that possessing requires that we dispossess the enemy that is keeping us from the actual experience and enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. There are four books that make up what we call the heart of the divine revelation in the New Testament. Each of the four books is concerned with the experience and enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ, and each of the four books contains the element of war. Okay, Ephesians. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Christ as the unique head of the body. Paul's commission was to announce as the gospel the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light the economy of the mystery according to God's eternal purpose to have the body of Christ. And that book ends with war. Okay, Galatians. Paul had announced Christ crucified and the gospel of grace to the people in that region. Many believed, 
Churches were established. Then the enemy sent religionists among all the churches to change the very nature of the gospel. So Paul was so burdened that after a few verses of greeting, he said, I'm amazed you're so quickly returning, turning away to another gospel. If an angel would preach another gospel, if I would preach another gospel, let him be accursed. He is fighting there. He said in 419, I travail in birth again. Okay, in Colossians, the highest revelation, revelation of Christ in the scriptures, the unlimited, immeasurable, extensive, universal, all-inclusive Christ, through whom everything was created, in whom everything holds together, the reality of every positive thing, the Christ who is our life, there is war. In chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. The Lord, I believe, showed us something quite penetrating. In the last training concerning this, there was war at the cross. Now this victory needs to be applied because the enemy is using culture to replace Christ. And his use of this among all of us has been intensified. And it's a gigantic replacement of Christ. And a battle must be fought to help the saints see the difference between their culture and their Christ who lives within them. Philippians. Where Paul is experiencing and enjoying Christ very much. But you come to the first part of chapter 2. You could tell he's in anguish. He said if there is any compassions. Any love. Any fellowship of spirit. Will you please make my joy full. That you think the same thing. Speak the one thing. Be in one soul. Eventually, he has to ask two strong sisters openly to be of one mind in the Lord. Because discord among sisters, because they're deeper than brothers and more experiential than brothers, and function to supply life to the body, it causes very severe damage, which frustrates the intercession, which intercession is the means for Paul to receive the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So in each instance, he is fighting there. In other epistles, of course, he's fighting. Never for himself, for God's kingdom, for God's people. Without this fighting properly understood and being carried out by the overcomers, even though the overcomers are not identified, they'll be identified at the judgment, yet they are actually 
overcoming, we'll all be stuck. No matter what necessary outward progress we will make in the gospel and propagation and trainings and this and that, we'll be stuck in the sense we're on this side of the Jordan. Canaan is over there. We are here. No entering into Canaan to possess it. No temple. No kingdom. So this requires fighting. This requires an army. And for this reason, God has given us a military book. Joshua is a military book. And we'll consider this much more from different angles tomorrow morning. But I'd like to give us some impression with the need for Joshua. And a verse that could be taken as a kind of theme for this conference is Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. Be strong. And take courage, for you will cause this people to inherit the land, which I swore to their fathers to give to them. You will cause this people to inherit the land. They don't just go in. There must be some. And of necessity, these need to be older, more experienced brothers and sisters. Of necessity. The young can compose the army, but they can't be Joshua. And we'll see this is a corporate Joshua being formed, and they are a factor which causes others to enter into the all-inclusive Christ. And they are willing to be this cause. And their pursuit of the Lord, they're far beyond being occupied with their spiritual condition or with their human complications or with their needs or with their spiritual progress. They do seek the Lord, they enjoy the Lord, love Him very much. But they realize it will not be a few spiritual people in the wilderness who carry out God's eternal purpose. God's people must actually enter into, possess, experience, and enjoy the all-inclusive Christ. That must actually happen. And for that to happen... There must be a courageous person to whom the Lord will say, you, he didn't say I, I the Lord, or all of your angels, you will cause this people to inherit the land. Those who are constrained by the Lord to be part of this, 
They are the priests standing in the Jordan River holding the Ark of the Testimony. They go in first and they come out last. Reminds me of this one commander in the Vietnam War. First he trained his troops, then he led them personally into battle. And they landed by helicopter. And he said, I will be the first one off this copter. And I will be the last one back on. That was his characteristic. Well, these are the priests. If they don't stand there in the Jordan, the waters will overwhelm. They have to stand there in faith till hundreds of thousands, maybe two million of all ages, pass over. Then the word is spoken, come out, come out of the Jordan. These are those in 2 Corinthians 10 who say along with Paul in verse 12, death operates in us, but life in you. I believe at the very heart of the Lord's burden for this weekend is not a mere exhortation Let's go into the land. Let's possess the land. Let's enjoy the land. I believe the core is, where is Joshua? Who will be a part of the corporate Joshua that we will consider? Who is absolutely faithful to Moses? See, please listen to this verse. It's coming out earlier than I expected. Let me read it, then I'll give you the reference. As Jehovah had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that Jehovah had commanded Moses, Joshua eleven fifteen. Jehovah commanded Moses, Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that Jehovah had commanded, not Joshua. All that Jehovah had commanded Moses. And Joshua was Moses' attendant. Utterly one with him. But it was not Moses' portion to lead the people into the land. He had a big failure. God's government came in to discipline him. He said, you may look. Then you will die. I'll bring you to the mountain. Now you look at the land. And then we're told Moses died at the word of the Lord. Joshua will bring the people in. There must be the warrior. We must have Joshua's javelin. 
then the Lord will continue to constitute the army. And then Joshua will cause us to enter the land and to inherit the land. If there is no Joshua experientially and practically and corporately, don't look for a hero. Don't look for who is Joshua. Some kind of singular spiritual giant. Please don't have that thought. The real Joshua is Christ, who brings us into himself through combat. But now according to the principle of incarnation, he needs to duplicate himself. He needs to enlarge himself so that the Lord's recovery will become a corporate Joshua. And this is the heart of the overcomers. We will fight the battle for the all-inclusive Christ on behalf of all believers everywhere. Amen. Not just for the saints in the Lord's recovery. Amen. This is the portion of all of God's chosen and redeemed everywhere. Even if they never agree with us, never meet with us, never join us in singing, press on, press on. We would include them in our heart. This all-inclusive Christ is for all of God's redeemed. You have a portion. You have an inheritance. And we have ours. And we will fight this battle on behalf of all the children of God. Amen. Whether they recognize it or not, appreciate it or not, we're not here to win man's appreciation. Now one other word, then we can begin to go through the outline. Regarding fighting. When it was time to institute the Passover, there was no battle for lambs. There was no bad guy that had all the lambs and he had to mobilize the people to emancipate these lambs so there could be a Passover. They just had the lambs. No battle. No real resistance. Someone announces the Lord Jesus as the Savior, anyone preaching this aspect of the gospel, people are saved. We rejoice in their salvation. But there's no real battle here. Then a minority of God's people, as we'll see, they come into the wilderness. The Lord cuts them off from their usual diet. You know, and they murmur and they whine because they're hungry. And first they get quails, but that's not the appointed diet. That's a kind of discipline. Then they get up one morning, and what is this? It's manna. That's the food that came six days a week. You just get up out of your tent before the manna melts. 
and gather as much as you're able. And then the one who gathered little had no lack. The one who gathered much had no excess. No fighting. There's no word to say tomorrow we will engage the enemy over manna. This is Operation Manna. Get ready. Rise up early. There's a fierce enemy that's guarding the supply of manna. We must fight. No such thing. But when we're about to enter the land and the spies were sent in, ten were full of unbelief, because they saw how formidable the enemy was, they were giants. Many of them were Nephilim, as big as Goliath. Imagine Mr. and Mrs. Goliath having a horde like that. The sons of Anak, their chariots were iron. We can't go, we can't go, we're like grasshoppers. Then Joshua and Caleb, significantly. They said, this is a rough translation. We eat giants for breakfast. <laughs> there are food. The Lord is with us. We are well able to overcome. But the ten and the vast majority of the people prevailed in their unbelief. Only two had the faith in the Lord's word, in the presence of the Lord through the Ark of the Covenant, who realized the Lord is with us. We are well able to overcome. They had a different kind of spirit. Then as a discipline... God changed his mind regarding the time of the entrance into the good land and said for the next 38 years, you will wander in this desert until all the men of war of that age die here. And your children, whom you said would be devoured, they will go in. And Joshua and Caleb could not separate themselves from the congregation of God's people based upon their overcoming spirit. That would have violated the principle of the body. They had to go through that time of wandering because they're part of the people of God. But when that period was over, looking at this from the positive point of view, there was another generation and all that the older generation had experienced was deposited into them as a grace. And now Joshua was there. Moses died. The people wept for him for 40 days and Joshua realized, I have no choice. And God himself told him, be strong, be very courageous. No man will be able to stand against you. 
You will cause this people to inherit the land, they will, but they possess the land by fighting. Now, we will not do that much fighting this weekend. Uh, there will be an element, but just be at peace. Uh, it, it may not involve you at this stage. What we need to see is that the land is there. The recovery overall is not there. Persons are there. Like Joshua and Caleb were there. We need a Joshua to be formed. We need to understand the nature of this war. We need to see the goal of this conflict is that we would actually experience the all-inclusive Christ for the church. Then the church will be built up as the body of Christ, as the new man and the kingdom of God. If this dawns on us, we will be revived and freshly centered in the core of the Lord's recovery today. Amen. And we'll be able to testify. What are we doing here? We are gaining Christ for the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. I have another day to experience and enjoy you as the all-inclusive Christ and then I do this not primarily for my spirituality. I do this for the churches, for the body, for the new man, for the kingdom, and for the bride. I, I, I feel peaceful now that we've introduced our subject. And the main thing that we need to do together is to receive the Lord's word, to open to his shining, and to respond by praying and speaking. It's not hard. I believe there will be many prayers. Eventually, there will be hundreds of us here. And if we all prayed in our personal time and with others, 10 times, 20 times, maybe a few thousand genuine prayers offered up in response to God's word. The real prayer the Lord needs is a response to his speaking. We see this in 2 Samuel 7, where um, the Lord spoke through the prophet such an amazing word to David concerning his seed, who would build God's house. Then what did David do? He sat down and he spread the matter before the Lord. And he said, Lord, do as you have spoken. If there's no prayer like this, even though the word will go out, it will not be activated. Once it's spoken, it's intended to work, but it's activated by the prayers of the saints. Simple prayers. Lord, raise up Joshua. Lord, I'm willing to be part of the factor that causes your people to enjoy the all-inclusive Christ.
Now, message one. And I believe we'll complete the reading by about nine. Uh, if you're new to this kind of conference, uh, and you, you wonder how long will each message go, well, the standard is about 75 or 80 minutes. Sometimes in conferences, uh, we go beyond that. So please receive grace. If you're tired from today's labor and you nod off, may the Lord give you a holy nap. <laughs> and when you wake up, just exercise your spirit and try to follow where we're going. The vision of the all-inclusive Christ, typified by the good land, and the three stages of the enjoyment of Christ by eating him. Now, if you're new and you're honestly bothered by this word eating, I mean, use in relation to the Lord Jesus, uh, we have no heart to contend. Rather, we suggest just read John chapter 6. This is the Lord Jesus saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He who eats me shall live by me. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. I am the bread of life. You need to eat. Okay, one, it is crucial for us all, okay, not a few, for us all to see a vision. And by vision, we don't mean some kind of weird psychic experience inside your head. We mean a spiritual scenery that's in the word. You see an extraordinary spiritual scene, like seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. But if there were an ant crawling around here, I wouldn't say, Hark, I have a vision of an ant. <laughs> then, it, then ant is too small to be the object of vision. I would just say, there's an ant here. I see an ant. But you don't say, oh, you know what? I, I see the all-inclusive Christ. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> no, this is enthralling. This is captivating. This dethrones you. This positively disorients you. The all-inclusive Christ. We need to see it. Many of us are like Job. Who will have to say eventually to the Lord in repentance. I heard of you. By the hearing of the ear. Now my eye sees you. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent. Eventually, some will pray like this. I heard of the all-inclusive Christ. I heard of this. I heard messages about it. I read the book about it. I sang the songs about it. I heard about it. But now I see. Now you see. 
Now your life changes. Now you see it's real. When you just hear about it, it's a doctrine. It's second hand. It's a vicarious vision. It's seeing what someone else saw indirectly. That's a necessary place to begin. But you can't go on forever with a secondhand vision. It can't just be what your parents saw that caused them to leave everything and be in the Lord's recovery. Thank the Lord for what they saw. Thank the Lord you were born into it. But now it needs to be yours. Because one day your parents will finish their course. As will all the senior saints and all the experienced co-workers. More likely than not before the overcomers are raptured. Then who will stand? Who will be able to say, I see it, it's mine. I no longer have to say, I tell you what I heard from Brother Ron Kangas who heard it from Brother Lee, who got it from Brother Nee. That might have been the human chain, but now it's yours. And it should matter to us that it's ours, and we should pray for it to be ours, and we should pray for others that it would be theirs. Pray for the young people. Pray for those in the full-time training. Pray for the young adults. Pray for the new ones. Lord, show them the governing vision of the all-inclusive Christ typified by the good land. The good land enjoyed by the children of Israel is the ultimate type of Christ found in the scriptures. And by type, we mean a kind of symbol or a metaphor. It is a complete an all-inclusive type of Christ. Christ is not only our life, he is also our territory, our realm, our sphere in which we walk. That's 2.6. You've been rooted in Christ, walk in him. The good lamb typifies the all-inclusive Christ as the inheritance to God's people for their enjoyment. And the most striking characteristic of those who have possessed their portion of the all-inclusive Christ is their enjoyment is in another dimension. It may not be that outward. If you just go by outward indicators, you may not sense it. It's because Brother Nee, I love to say this again and again. He lived in the all-inclusive Christ with the inexhaustible enjoyment of this Christ. That after 20 years of deprivation, which followed a lifetime of affliction and suffering, after 20 years in the labor camp, after the inhuman denial of permission to attend the funeral of his beloved wife, after being 
deprived of everything spiritual and human, he would say at the end, I maintain my joy. I maintain my joy. He was in another realm. He was in another dimension. Another universe. Years before he had released the message, Christ is all spiritual matters and things. He saw it. He spoke to it. Spoke about it. He was in his 30s. He saw it. Read that marvelous book. Christ is all spiritual matters and things. He says God does not give us things, even spiritual things. He gives us a person. Everything is personal. Victory is not a thing. Holiness is not a thing. Love is not a thing. Overcoming is not a thing. Christ is everything. And it was to him. And he released it. And he put it in Brother Lee. And Brother Lee developed it. Then Brother Nee was tested. And the word of victory is, I maintained my joy. Because he was deeply rooted in this Christ. And because of his experience and enjoyment, the flow of the Lord's recovery could come through Brother Lee to this country and churches could be raised up, not because we were seeking. The church was raised up because someone was Joshua. Someone was Caleb. Someone was standing in the Jordan River bearing the ark. Someone was experiencing death that life could work in us. This is the principle of the body. We should just be Isaacs receiving everything. But now, for many of us, it's our time. And it's our turn, not to be big leaders, but to be part of the factor. And we see Christ is my territory. Not only my city, my state, my country, my hemisphere, my earth. He's my universe. My Christ is more vast than the universe. The whole universe is a type of the unlimited Christ. The good land typifies the all-inclusive Christ as the inheritance of God's people for their enjoyment, I repeat. And the riches of the good land typify the unsearchable riches of Christ in various aspects. Then with this as the background, Paul writes Colossians 1.12, which we read. In Colossians 1.12, Paul employs the concept of the all-inclusive land, speaking of the portion of the saints. The all-inclusive Christ for our enjoyment. God the Father has qualified us by the redemption of God the Son and through the sanctification of God the Spirit for a share of the all-inclusive Christ, the embodiment of the process triune God, as the allotted portion of the saints. Now here's the situation. This Christ is vast. He's unlimited. And there's the allotted portion given to all of God's people. 
And each one of us has our inheritance. Our portion of the all-inclusive Christ signified by the Israelites' portion of the land. The only way the rest of us can know and experience your Christ is through you. This is your portion. You have experiences. The Spirit leads you through certain things. You experience Christ. You enjoy Christ. You know Christ. You are constituted with Christ. And the only way we can partake of that is that you share it with us. Maybe sometime in your prayer it comes out. More often in your fellowship, in your prophesying. No one can replace you. You are an irreplaceable, necessary member of the body with a portion of Christ allotted to you. The body needs this portion. You cannot be circumvented. Yes, I know the Lord will lead you through deeper things. When the way of release into the body will be altogether inward. It will just flow from your spirit into the spirit of the body. But most of the time, we need to come together. And we need to speak to one another. We need to share with one another. We need to prophesy in the meetings. What are we doing? We are releasing the Christ that is our portion. You may say, I don't know what it is. I'm the same as you. I don't like come to the meeting think, this is what I gain and this is what I have and this is what I'm going to offer. Most of the time, I don't know what's going on. I just know I love the Lord and I'm one with Him and I'm experiencing Him and I'm enjoying Him. And I may not know until I open my mouth and something comes out and says, that's what it was. So you're more normal than you think. Of course, there will be other times where the Spirit will cause us to understand our experiences. You went through a long trial. Now you stand up to prophesy. You do not tell us about the trial. We're not interested in the details of your trial. What you do is, you, you know what my situation has been. You all know. I'd like to tell you how much I enjoyed Christ. Thank you for praying. Thank you for supplying. Now it's my turn to tell you. I'd like to tell you some good news. Endurance is Christ himself. And Christ as endurance is inexhaustible. I would like to assure you, brothers and sisters, the enemy will never, ever wear us out or wear us down. Then, whoa, you just hear a few sentences like that. Oh, you love the Lord more? You want to open to Him more? One day, we will be in the reality of Him 864. Let us exhibit Christ. Let us exhibit Christ. 
will bring his surplus to the church and thus exhibit Christ. One of the reasons in the Lord that I make this observation that generally we're not in the good land is that probably you cannot show me a church anywhere on the earth that has the characteristic on the Lord's day of worshiping the Father in reality with the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm not criticizing. If we didn't sing, and if we didn't pray over what we just sang, there'd be mainly silence in the meeting. It's just a fact. So that's an indicator. But I may mourn from time to time, but I'm not discouraged because we've got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> the Lord's going to raise up Joshua. Joshua is going to lead us to possess the all-inclusive Christ. We will all have our inheritance. Then we, we will learn to labor on this Christ, to enjoy him very much. Then we'll just come together, not really knowing that much what's going on, but we come together with a sense of fullness. And there will be a release of the worshiping spirit that maybe we have never seen. You have a lot to look forward to. I look forward to the building up of the body of Christ. I look forward to the new man being perfected. I look forward to the kingdom of God coming. And if I don't see it because I'm not young and you're not young and the Lord needs 30 or 40 years, then whatever is in me, I'm going to put into you and you do it. Amen. Then when you see me in the kingdom, you just say, Brother Ron, we did it, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to be able to say that to Brother Lee, not that I'm accountable to him. I'd like to be able to say to him, Brother Lee, we were faithful to your ministry. Just as Joshua was faithful to Moses' word, we applied this, we spoke this, we taught this, we wrote this, we experienced this, we ministered this our whole life. Then when we finished, we'd like to tell you, we raised up a few thousand more to do the same thing. The word allotted in 112 refers to the lot of the inheritance, as illustrated by the allotment of the good land given to the children of Israel for their inheritance. The believer's inheritance, their allotted portion, is the all-inclusive Christ. If you're considering coming the way of the Lord's recovery, uh, we might as well tell you the real situation. Uh, we don't promise you anything. We don't offer you anything. It's all that we have here is the all-inclusive Christ. Amen. You may never be a leading one. You may never be a ministering one. You may never be married to an elder so you can glory when he gives the announcements that no one listens to on the Lord's day. But at least you can say in your heart, he and I, we are the king and the queen in this local church. <laughs> Eventually, God is going to gain a people for whom Christ is sufficient. Amen. For whom Christ is enough. 
If the Lord wants me to serve in this way, I'll serve. That's his will. If he wants me to go there and do this, I will do it. I'm a slave. That's his will. But if I don't do it and I don't go, it doesn't change anything. I still have my portion of the all-inclusive Christ. Is Christ enough for you? Just say in faith, the all-inclusive Christ is enough for me. Amen. Just as the land of Canaan was everything to the children of Israel, so Christ, the reality of the type of the good land, is everything to us. We have a wonderful song about it. Da, 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 da. You, you might have heard me refer to this. He's everything to me. It's a wonderful song. We should sing it in faith and love, but we should sing it with the realization that it's not exactly our reality yet. But eventually, you'll be able to testify. Lord Jesus, to me, you are life itself. Amen. A few weeks ago, I visited a brother well into his 70s, whom I've known for almost 45 years. He's a totally unknown person. He's a nobody. If I mentioned his name, you wouldn't connect to it at all. But he's been faithful all of this time. Now he's confined to a hospital bed, very mysterious ailment. Even the experts seem not to know what it is, what's causing it. And I'm there with him. And there lies a brother for whom Christ is life itself. And Every so often, like every 30 or 40 seconds, he'll just say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No performance. What a testimony. He's not just everything. That's a doctrine. He's everything to me. What did, Paul, what did the Lord say to Paul regarding grace? He didn't say, my grace is sufficient. That's really an objective truth. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. One day, you'll really know this. I rejoiced this week. I just rejoiced. I received hundreds and hundreds of emails, but very few like this. From a sister member of the body in an extremely difficult situation telling me how she is experiencing and enjoying Christ. How wonderful. Not telling me about her situation, not looking for sympathy, in a sense not even asking for prayers, although she needs them. She is actually coming to know the cross, the victory of the cross, the deliverance of the cross, the enjoyment of Christ. It just makes your heart sing. Here is a dear one 
probably not on the verge of transfiguration, just as the rest of us are not, but really advancing. The trials are not a waste. The hardship is not a waste. Christ is becoming sufficient for this member. Now, B is a sobering point, but we need it. Christ is our good land, but we do not yet experience and enjoy him in full as this land. Thus far, our partaking of the unsearchable riches of Christ has been very limited. Do you, do you all agree with this? It's not a criticism. There's no spiritual benefit in criticizing anything or anyone. Very limited. Where are the testimonies of a mother? A new mother. Now experiencing the severity of the limitation of motherhood. She remembers the days of her single service or service as a young married sister. And now it's very different. Will there be the testimony, I accept this limitation and I live in Christ as a land of wheat. I'm enjoying Jesus, the limited one, who was the oldest of seven or eight children in a land of poverty, who worked as a carpenter. He was limited unto death. He fell into the ground and died. I'd like to tell you, this is my Christ. I don't try to get release from my limitation. This is of God. Yes, my, if my husband loves me, he'll give me mom's night out for a couple hours on a Thursday. He'll give me an opportunity to have adult conversation over a meal and not again and again read, you know, the old story about Ferdinand, you know, that Ferdinand the bull. But essentially, here you are. Wouldn't it be a loss if you survived that stage of motherhood, those several years, then you turn to the Lord and he says to you, you have wasted thousands and thousands of opportunities. I don't know what it's like really to be a young pneumatic mom, 27 years old, experiencing the travails of motherhood. Will there be any sister in her 20s who will remember, I'm in the good land. It's a land of wheat. In your experience at times, that's all the land is. There's just wheat everywhere. You don't see any barley. You can't find a pomegranate. Where are the figs? I have no idea. Figs, olive, stones, iron. I, I'm just in a wheat field. 
My whole life is a wheat field, one limitation after another. Eventually, the wheat will turn into barley. But that's not up to me to say. I mean, some of us that are not young, one of the Lord's mercies to us after showing us how many years and years we've wasted, one of his mercies is to assure us, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I've given you time. You have time to make it, but you don't have time to waste. The time remaining is sufficient. So we need to see in detail how Christ is typified by all the items mentioned in Deuteronomy 8, 7 to 10. A good place to receive help is the footnote. If you got a four-pound Bible, or if you lawfully had the four-pound Bible in here, if it's pirated, read it in peace if you can. That's between you and the Lord. And their experience of God's salvation, the people of Israel typifying the church, passed through three stages of the enjoyment of Christ by eating him. In the first stage, they ate the Passover lamb in Egypt, which strengthened them to walk out of Egypt and to be separated from the Egyptian world. That's necessary. That's precious. They ate, they ate the whole lamb. They ate the head, they ate the legs, they ate the inward parts. In the second stage, they ate the manna in the wilderness, which reconstituted them with a heavenly element to be a heavenly people. This is a necessary stage. It's a precious time. But we try to make clear it's not the goal. And God's purpose cannot be fulfilled with a lamb and manna alone. In the third stage, they ate the rich produce in the good land, which constituted them further to be an overcoming people. By enjoying the riches of the good land, the people of Israel conquered the tribes in the land. We look to the Lord that 24 hours from now, Tomorrow night, we will conquer the tribes and the spiritual forces behind them. They established the kingdom of God and built up the temple as God's dwelling place on earth. They did this by enjoying the riches of the good land. According to the picture, in Joshua 5, they, they cross into the land. They experience some necessary preparation. Then they eat of the produce of the land that remains. They actually began to enjoy in type the all-inclusive Christ. That empowered them. That enabled them to fight down the enemy for the full possession of the land. Then the second half of Joshua deals with the allotment. And everyone has his portion. Then once they have their portion, and this is beyond this conference, they labor on this. And by the way, I'm interrupting myself, but I'll come back to it. We have this expression, labor on Christ, labor on Christ. 
What does it mean to labor on Christ? We have the word. I don't want to leave you in suspense. I'd like to offer you this. To labor on Christ is to exercise your spirit to be one with the Lord and open to him in every situation. That's a labor. That is a labor. You are in concrete human situations. Often they're not difficult. If they're not difficult, they're boring. They're routine. You exercise to be one with the Lord and open to him in every situation. The car in front of you is too slow. You miss the green arrow. You will be there for three minutes, just like a break on Fox News. Now they tell you, we'll be back in three minutes. So the signal is telling you, you can go again in three minutes, okay? Now you have three minutes. What? Of, of stewing, of criticizing the driver, of belated reactions to the other driver's behavior? Or will you labor in the sense that, Lord, right here, right now, I will be one with you and open to you until the light turns green. Until that light turns green, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray about something. I'm going to call on the Lord for somebody. I'm going to sing something. I'm going to pray read a verse that I... I, I've, got, I've, I've got a New Testament recovery version pocket size in my door pocket. I'm going to take it out and pray read with one eye and look at the arrow with the other eye. Because you know what human life is? It's an endless series of three-minute segments of being where you don't want to be, doing what you don't want to do, waiting till you can be somewhere else, doing something else. But human life isn't quite like that. All right. These stages, three stages, typify the three stages of the believer's enjoyment of Christ by eating him. And by eating, we appropriate him. We apply to ourselves what he is. So in the first stage, he's the redeemer. He's the lamb that took away the sin of the world, and we partake of his flesh, his redeeming death to energize us. So we are energized to leave the world. The young people will never leave the world. They will never leave their video games. They will never leave the chat rooms. They will never leave all kinds of things unless and until they eat lamb. We need to feed them lamb, and when they eat lamb, they'll get energized and their inner being will tell you, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You shouldn't be looking at this. You shouldn't be doing this. Get out of there. And the lamb in you has legs. He starts moving. And the lamb in you has feelings. He gives you feelings. The lamb in you has thoughts. And you find yourself clicking that mouse and turning the thing off or going somewhere else. But you can exhort, you can threaten, you can warn, you can make ethical appeals, you can denounce this generation. They're not leaving their distractions unless they get lamb in them. Amen. Let's feed our young people lots of lamb. Amen. 
become a lamb man. Then they're constituted with Christ as the heavenly element. But to reach the goal of God's economy, the believers need to progress until. And progress is a key word. I believe in the Lord I would be so happy by the Lord's Day afternoon early after we finished the conference if we just had the sense we progressed. This will not be the conference to end the age. This will not be the conference to bring the Lord back. But it may be a conference in which we all progressed a little bit. I think that's worthwhile spending less than 48 hours together. The whole recovery needs to progress. Some are going to have the sense, the Lord is going to give the burden to certain sisters, and they will pray with a staggering burden on them. Lord, your recovery, the whole recovery must progress. We must progress into the good land. Cause all the churches, cause all the co-workers to progress. There'll be an itero in Anaheim. Elders and international training for elders and responsible ones. With what heart, with what spirit will all the brothers come? With what sense of need? Lord, we want to go on. We want to progress. We want to advance. We're not satisfied with who we are, what we are, and where we are. We must go on. There needs to be such a spirit. And go on until they enter into the highest stage of eating Christ as the rich produce of the good land, the all-inclusive spirit, that they may overcome the spiritual enemies to be built up to be God's dwelling place and establish God's kingdom on earth. This little word until is crucial. Like in 2 Peter 1, take heed to the sure word of prophecy. Until the, until the day dawns. Until. There needs to be an until in our seeking. To tell the Lord, I'm not stopping until. Or if you don't have an until, you have an unless. Like Jacob, you want to you end this match? You started it. You started the wrestling. You're trying to pin me. You find me not so easy to pin. I will not let you go. You ask me to let you go. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Lord, I will not stop praying. This is not duty as usual. This is not routine. This is life and death. This is crucial. I will keep praying until there's a breakthrough. I will keep praying until you bring me to this highest stage of eating Christ for the reasons given here. As we eat Christ and enjoy him as the produce of the good land, we are constituted with him, being made the same as Christ in life and nature and expression for the building up of the church as the body of Christ, the new man and the kingdom of God. The goal is the church, the body, the new man, the kingdom of God. Now, for those who would like to, please pray for about a minute with one sitting nearby. And then after that minute of prayer, we can have close to 20 minutes for some speaking, hopefully not more than a minute each. We need the members of the body 
to respond to the word and to confirm the word. But first pray for a minute and then prophesy.